Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. The fight of faith. Faith is a fight. Faith is not cheap, easy work. There's a fight that has to take place because, and we'll read it in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, Paul tells us a little bit about what he understands about the faith fight. And uh, if you take life as some like, you know, journey and adventure, that whatever comes your way, you know, we got to make do with it, then you're going to have a very difficult life, a very hard life. It's going to be filled with constant struggle and trial and very little, if if any, stories of triumph and stories of victory. But God has not ordained you to live in strife. God has not ordained you to live in struggle. Jesus, when he hung on that cross, the Bible says very clearly, when he hung on that cross, the last words he let out was not, it will be finished. And it wasn't, you know, there's yet one more thing that must happen before this, this gets done. The last words he, he let out on that cross was tetelestai, which was a common term in that day that meant your debt is absolved and you are free from any penalty or interest from that debt. When he screamed out, when he let out that cry, and he didn't say, I don't imagine him, and scripture can prove it, it wasn't a, a weak, dead left eye. some like weaning cry, it wasn't some like, you know, low level, very little decibels in that, no, it was a lion's roar, tetelestai, and that was, his, he breathed his last. The Bible says it was such a loud cry that even the centurion, overseeing his death, his crucifixion, looked back and said, this guy had to have been the son of God. Because once he let that cry out, there was an earthquake on the land. And the dead that were in Jerusalem, that were buried in Jewish tombs, came back to life. As he entered into the grave, he let those that were in captive out. And the Bible says those that had died, who knows how long they had been dead for, came out of the tombs and presented themselves into Jerusalem. And could you imagine, that was like the first zombie occurrence. People who they thought to have been dead came back to life. And that's how powerful that word tetelestai is. That even death itself could no longer hold down those that died righteously in God uh, before Christ. Those that were looking forward to the mediator, to the, to the Messiah that would come. That word tetelestai, it marked the end of struggle for us. We were released. You know, the Bible doesn't just say we were washed from our sins. The Bible says we were released from our sins. That the penalty and consequence of sin was absolved in Christ. That we're no longer tied to those things. We're no longer, the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, uh, Romans 8, 2, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death so that being said that being said because Jesus said it is finished 
That means the struggle in life has finished. You cannot see yourself. You can't identify yourself with the old nature. You can't continue to live on as if nothing happened when Christ rose from the dead. That's why those two women, when they came to the tomb and they steep, they stooped down to see into the tomb and there was no body there. And then uh, they started to complain. One went to the gardener. Tell us where you've left his body. P please, we'll pay you if you'll just let us know where you left his body. And that wasn't a garden that was standing there that was an angel and the angel looked to to those two women and said why are you seeking the living amongst the dead why are you looking for dead things in a living area and that's how a lot of religion is a lot of religion is we revolve we it, it's it revolves around the dead it revolves around the tomb it revolves around the crucifixion but understand that jesus did die jesus did go to a tomb but three days later he rose again and as the victor, as conqueror, as the all-triumphant one over death, hell, and the grave. That's why John on the island of Patmos, he didn't see a weak savior. He didn't see a, a little lamb, you know, walking around heaven. He didn't see some you know, little baby swinging in a manger. He didn't see some human being who he could look at straight in the eye and, and he felt nothing towards him. The Bible says when he saw Jesus, he fell as one dead. And when he got back up because Jesus had to lift him back up, he looked behind him and saw his eyes were a flame of fire. His hair was white as wool. His face is like the sun shining in its brilliance. We don't serve a weak, emaciated God. We don't serve. He, he didn't, he's not still nailed to that cross. We don't have dead religion. He who was dead, Jesus said, I am he who was dead, but now I live and I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he said, don't keep it to yourself, but go and tell everyone. That's why we do these broadcasts because I, the devil, if he can't keep you from getting saved, he'll try and keep you in dead religion. But dead religion doesn't do anything. Dead religion just keeps people bound. It's like Lazarus. When he was raised from the dead, he was alive, but he came out of the tomb bound by grave clothes. And that's how a lot of people are. They're alive in Christ, but they're still bound by grave clothes. They're still bound by their past. Sorry about that. They're still bound by their past. They're still bound by, 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 by satanic agencies. They're still struggling to break free from something that Christ has already declared you free from. And that's why I'm here to tell you, today it marks the end of struggle in your life. Today marks the end of struggling and, and, and just striving with Satan and the forces of darkness. No, you were once in darkness, but now are ye in light. Therefore, Jesus said, walk as children of light. How do you walk as children of light? Very simple. As you have the word of God in your heart and to declared out of your mouth you shine forth that light the bible says in the book of philippians we are not to grumble nor complain but we are to shine as children of light in a corrupt and dark generation as you shine that light the bible says the light shines in darkness and darkness can't comprehend it but if you like i started off by saying if you just take life as just you you know walking aimlessly with no desire and no goal if you don't have a target in life if your faith doesn't have a target 
it, then you'll never hit it. If your faith doesn't have an objective, then anywhere you end up will look like you made it. But you have to have a target in your faith. And when you have, just like a bow and arrow, if you just shot it into the air, you would never hit your target. There's a target, there's a bullseye, and faith has to have a bullseye. And when you get that bullseye, and you begin to operate in the principles of faith, then you, you can be certain of what your future holds tomorrow by believing and doing and speaking what God said to do today. So what's, there's a fight called faith. How do you fight the fight of faith? The fight of faith is pretty much the time between you believe God's word and you receive its physical, actual manifestation. What do I do in the meantime? What do I do in, 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 in the time between those two, those two events? Between me believing God's word is true and confessing it, and then me actually receiving and walking in its reality in my life. There's a fight of faith. There's something you have to do. There's a, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle in life against principalities, against powers, against uh, forces of darkness and in heavenly places. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God in the pulling down of these strongholds. So though there is a fight in life, there is a fight of faith, we're not vulnerable to defeat. We're not susceptible to loss or to, 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 to defeat. We have, the Bible says, therefore, you now are to put on the full armor of God. And as you put on the armor of God, you're not defenseless. You're not at the mercy of the devil. You're not at the mercy of the forces of darkness. You have armor and weapons of warfare that in this fight called faith you you know if you hold the devil in the the arena of reason he'll whoop you every time in the in the arena of the sen of the senses the five senses what you see what you hear that's why a lot of people struggle because they're living sen uh, in their senses they're living a sense sense knowledge faith they're not living in faith, they're not walking by faith, they're walking by sight. And as a result, it seems like nothing ever goes forward. It seems like every step they take forward, it's like 10 steps back, and it's just this lifelong struggle. So what 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 ends up happening, it's like Thomas, you know, Thomas said, unless I see, unless I see the print in his nails and put my finger in it, and unless I put my hand into his side, I'll never believe. Thomas had to see it in order to believe it. Thomas needed sense knowledge in order for him to, to accept it as fact. But that's not how faith works. Let me read this. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. If you're just joining in now, you'd, you'd help me a lot if you shared the broadcast and share it, share it uh, quite often through this stream. And let's, let's build this audience today. 1 Timothy 6, 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things. And pursue righteousness, godliness, and faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold onto eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold. So in order for you to lay hold of what God has for you, you have to learn how to fight in the arena of faith. If you hold the devil in the arena of reason, if he gets you trapped there, he'll whip you every single time. But if you get the devil in the arena of faith, he has no power to disarm that powerful force called faith in your life. I want to read another scripture that's coming into my spirit. 
in the book of Titus. Sorry, not the book of Titus. Book of Jude. The book of Jude. And verse 3 says this. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. Faith has to be contended for. Faith does not have a neutral stance. If you don't add to your faith, then your faith is being subtracted from. If you're not working your faith, then your faith is, is, is draining out. You can't walk, you know, you had an initial amount of faith that came to you at salvation. The Bible says in Romans 12, 3, God has dealt to each man a measure of faith. But if you just try and live off 30 years from now, 40 years, you're still living off that measure of faith. You're going to end eventually run dry. And that's where people, you know, that's where even ministers, they have to take a sabbatical. They have to, you know, go on these 12 month paid leaves because they've, they've burnt out. That's where burnouts come. But if you, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. So if you don't add the wood of the word to stimulate and generate faith in you, your fire will go out. The fire of faith in your eyes will go out and you'll, you'll end up, you'll end up drying out. And that's where people get into this like bad doctrine where it's like sometimes God's got to take you to, through the wilderness in order to get you to the promise. It's not God taking you through the wilderness. It's, I mean, you see it. You had the children of Israel going through the wilderness. You had the children of Israel living out a desert life, a dry place. But Joshua and Caleb, they, they had another story because they had another spirit in them. If you, and if you don't add to your faith, if you don't work your faith, if you don't earnestly contend for the faith that God has delivered to you to build on it, faith doesn't have a neutral stance. It's either being built up or it's being burnt down. It's either being added to or it's being subtracted to. But when you take a step to add to your faith, like the Bible says in the book of Peter, add to your faith, um, virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control godliness and to godliness love for if these things are yours and abound you will be neither useless nor barren in the things that pertain to the lord jesus christ so you you can't be irresponsible faith is not leaving everything into god's hands and then just going on in your daily activity faith is taking responsibility with god in light of script, scriptures having delightsome compliance with the demands of scripture to lay hold like i read to lay hold on the thing that god has for you it's not enough just to know well god god is hell god is healing amen well praise god how many of you know god still heals today that that's great but how does that affect you if god still heals today how does you have a lot of people that confess that God is a healer in the Christian faith, but they die sick because they haven't learned how to fight the fight. They haven't learned how to contend earnestly. They don't know how to take the step towards that reality. And that's why I'm going to take time today to teach you practical steps in the time between what to do in the time between you've believed God in his word that he'll actually pull through that, that your desired haven exists and God desires to bring you there. And the fulfillment, the arrival to that, to that haven. Hebrews 10.35. I'm going to read another scripture. Hebrews chapter 10. 
And verse 35, Therefore, we never cast away our confidence, which has great reward. For, if you have, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will, not, will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, and if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. For we have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So there has to, there, you have to endure. It's not just... <laughs> That's what, that's what you see. You have people who believe. Essentially, Jesus said it in the parable of the four, the four soils. That there's some people who when they hear the word, they immediately discredit it. It's a fable. They think of it as fairy tales. They don't receive anything from it. And so they, Jesus said, they're the ones that when the seed is sown in their heart, the enemy comes immediately and snatches it away. Oh, that can't be me. Uh, you know, that's, that's, just, uh, that's just them trying to get people's hopes up. You know, you, you quote something on healing and then immediately the thought comes in. Yeah, well, you you know, Aunt Sue, she didn't make it and she was a believer. The enemy immediately comes in and snatches away the seed that was sown in their heart. Then there's the fertile soil that the Bible says they receive the word. But because they have no firm root, they don't have a deep rooted understanding of this book. He that wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. So even if you've heard the word, you know how to quote the word. If you don't understand the word, the Bible says you'll rest in the assembly of the dead. Meaning, you'll have, your life will have no difference. There'll be no distinction between you who claims to believe God and those who claim to not believe God. There'll be no distinction. There will be nothing different between the two of you. There'll be no uh, <laughs> same story. It'll be the same story. The Bible says they have shallow soil. That when the seed is sown, immediately... When sun, the sun arises and the heat rises, that's, it sprouts out for a little while. It receives the word with joy for a little while. It's people who start off well. Man, you know, I know I'm going to be healed. They come out of an anointed meeting. You come off a broadcast like this. I know I'm going to be healed. I know that my God will make a way. I know that my, I, according to my earnest expectation and hope, I'll never be ashamed. I'm coming over to the other side. People that speak like that. They get out of an anointed, faith-filled uh, atmosphere. You know, when you preach, uh, the gift of faith can enter into a meeting. The gift of faith is entering into you right now. And as it does, it'll cause you to speak differently. But if you don't do anything with that, if you don't fuel that, uh, that gift of faith, if you don't fuel that spirit of faith by indulging in the book of faith called the Bible, it, it won't be long. You start getting around other people. You get into a different environment where the anointing's not working. You start to get around people who, who, who despise the word of God, people who don't believe in healing, people that don't believe in, the mir in miracles or the supernatural, people that mock speaking in tongues. Then all of a sudden, it seems like like that whatever faith you had got sucked dry out of your system and then you revolt you you um you you drop back to the way you used to speak and that's what jesus was saying they 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 start off well but then the heat comes tribulation or trouble arises because of the word you know some of you 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 got saved and then you went back into your home and you have parents or you have family members that mock christians and so you kind of just like sat in the corner and then you didn't really speak up. You just stood still, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I, you know, I'll, I'll just go, I'll just go to the dinner party, but you know, I'll, I'll stay under the radar. And then as you, you fed, you fed on their words, 
You know, you started to get discouraged. You know, discouragement nine times out of ten. Ten doesn't come from the devil. Nine times out of ten comes from people that the devil's anointed to come around you and discourage you. And so Jesus said, they immediately, they burn up. They shrub, they, 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 they burn at the root. And they wither away and nothing comes from their life. Then there's a third soil. That's the thorny soil that they receive the word and they grow up. But because of the cares of this life, and the desire, for, I'm busy. You know, people who have no, no time to read the word. I, 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 you know, I'd love to grow in faith, but I really have no time. I have a business now. You know, and now we're expecting a third child. So, you know, it's really, we're time limited. Well, you're going to suffer. If you don't take responsibility in the development of your faith, you're going to suffer greatly in life. God doesn't benefit from you growing your faith. It's, it's you that benefits from an ever-increasing faith. And you have to understand today, your faith can grow. I want you to write that in the comment section. My faith can grow. My faith can grow. I think that's where people get it wrong. Faith is not some emotion you feel when you're at church. Faith is not some, you know, energy in the room that you can just, you know, I, oh man, I just feel good. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not a theory. It's not theoretical. It's not philosophical. It's not you being able to make sense of things. That's not what faith is. Matter of fact, the Proverbs writer says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. So faith is not theoretical, and faith is not philosophical. Faith is a living force. It's a living force that is drawn from the living Word that produces living proofs in your life. There's, the Bible calls it the spirit of faith. You hang around, you know, you go and watch, you're addicted to horror movies and, you know, uh, exorcism movies and just like Hollywood that, uh, movies that just incite fear in you. You're going <laughs> to, won't be long before you start to live in a spirit of fear. You hang around someone that every time you go out with them, they're always complaining about something. You're, they're always uh, talking about conspiracies or whatever. You're going to, you fill yourself. Jesus said if your body, if your eye is on darkness, if it's focused on darkness, if it's focused on fear, your whole body will be fill, filled with darkness, will be feared, filled with fear. But you have a decision. Faith is a choice. You need to understand that today. Faith is a choice. My faith can grow and I choose to make my faith grow. By the actions I take on a daily basis. By the steps I take. By the environment I keep. By the friends I have and choose to have. Faith is a choice. Choose ye this day whom you shall serve. Whether blessing and that leads to life. Or of cursing that leads to death. But you have a decision to make. I choose. I'm, I can choose to grow my faith. And when you do. Paul told the Thessalonian church. He said, I thank my God always on account of you because that your faith groweth exceedingly and your love for one another is abounding. So your faith can exceedingly grow. You can, you can inject steroids into the faith God has dealt to you at salvation to make it grow or you neglect it. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews, do not neglect, do not neglect the gathering of ourselves together, which is the habit of some. 
Don't forsake it. Don't no neglect so great a salvation, which is the habit of some, some, which the Hebrew writer is telling you. Most people neglect the development of their faith and they suffer. Let me read something. 2 Timothy. Listen to this. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit to you, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. If you're just joining me now, welcome to the broadcast. Um, if you can, share it and uh, let's help get this word out to as many people as possible. This charge I commit to you, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by those prophecies, so according to the word of God that's been spoken over your life, Things don't just happen. Miracles don't just happen. Blessing doesn't just randomly show up at your doorstep, your, de your doorstep and unravel itself and say, here, come, feast on me. No, that's not how things work. Revival doesn't just happen. Faith doesn't just happen. Faith is a lifestyle. Miracles are a lifestyle. And they're, they're things that occur as a result of faith at work on a daily basis. Paul told Timothy, according to the word of God spoken to me. Brethren, I, God just spoke. I remember when I was 12 years old, a prophet pulled me out of a service and he just spoke to me uh, certain things. He just blessed me. He just told me I was going to be a great man of God. He told me that millions would get saved through my mouth. He told me, you know, oh man, when I was 18 years old, a man of God pulled me out of a church service and told me that the Lord was going to give me a great million, uh, multi-million dollar business one day and that I would, I would feed many and I'm 38 years old and I'm not seeing the promise but I just know if I just keep on you know keep on keeping on that one day God you know if God said it that settles it and that remains that remains fact there's nothing we have to do <laughs> you're gonna die poor you're not gonna you'll never have that fulfilled in your life those prophecies will never come to pass because a prophecy is not given to you to just revel on and just like, you know, a lot of people, they receive prophecy and it just adds something they can boast about. Oh, you know, they, they, they get, they feel good about it. They can go about telling and they have some like prophecy battles where who has the greater prophecy? Who can, who, who can, uh, who's been pulled out of the crowd and given a greater prophecy? And people literally pridefully boast about these prophecies, but the Bible says empty chatter leadeth only unto poverty and it's only in hard labor that there is profit so just talking about prophecy is not going to do anything if daniel the man of god if ezra having heard the word of god from daniel and through jeremiah that 70 years of babylonian captivity would occur but after 70 years god said i'll bring my people back into the promised land back into jerusalem if ezra just heard that and he just continued declaring the word of the Lord over Jerusalem. And that's all he did. And didn't take the steps of action necessary to bring Israel out of Babylon into Jerusalem. And begin the rebuilding process of Jerusalem. They would have never have returned. That's why those men, those four lepers in Second uh, Kings chapter 7, the Bible says there was a great famine in Samaria. And they, the army of the Assyrians had besieged Samaria so that none can go out and receive the harvest of their farms. So they were in like a fortified city and they had no ability to go out and actually, um, you know, uh, 
tend to their cattle. They had no ability to go out and take in their crop harvest. So after several months, they whatever supply they had in the city started to run out, run dry. And they started to resort to cannibalism. It was a messed up time in, in Samaria in those days. And what ends up happening? Four leprous men are in the city and they had been quarantined. And they were just sitting around waiting for the famine to break, waiting for the Assyrians, the enemy that had been camped, encamped around the city to just leave. And that's what happens in a lot of people just wait for the devil to like do what he's got to do. And eventually he'll give up. If you live that way, if you don't deal violently with the devil, the devil will continue to be violent with you. You can't remain in a passive state. Fight the good fight of faith. Smith Wigglesworth tells a story once he was sitting by and he was in a park sitting on a park bench and he saw a woman who was waiting for her bus. She was living in front of like a townhouse in, in, in England and uh, her dog was outside with her as she waited for the bus to approach and it came to pass that the, bo the bus started to, to come near. It was about 100 meters away, then 50 meters away and then uh, the, the, the lady ends up turning to the dog and saying, go back into the house you know, get back into the house. And uh, and she, she was trying to get the dog back into the house before the bus came to her bus stop because the bus wasn't going to wait for her. So she had to, you know, deal with her dog. After a while, the bus is like 10 meters away and the dog is still wagging its tail, you know, peeing on the tree, whatnot, not listening to her command because she was like passively trying to push the dog back in. You know, when you're in public, you deal differently with your 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 your, your dog than you do in private. Because in public, you don't want anyone to judge you. In private, you, you know, get your rear end back into that house. So finally, she saw the bus like 10 meters out, and she just yells at the dog, get into the house. And the dog saw, oh, she ain't playing around. So that dog tucked its tail between its legs and ran back into the house and closed the door, made lemonade, did the chores, fold the laundry that day. And L Wigglesworth stood up and yelled out, that's how you got to do the devil. And he, he, he preached that everywhere he went because people remain too passive. They like roll over and play dead, hoping the devil will just pass by. He doesn't pass by. He'll keep beating until you're dead. You can see that in Job's life. He kept beating. He kept beating. He kept blow after blow, the Bible says, until eventually... Uh, Job did something about it when he prayed for his friends and took a step of faith and God turned the captivity of Job. But had he not done that, that captivity would have continued. You might feel like you're captive, that you're born again, but you're still in the grave clothes that the enemy uh, of your past, that the enemy laid on you when you were serving him. And you're just hoping that one day in the process of time, things will turn. That's not how you got to do it. You have to take a stand today. You have to take a stand based on the word of God. That God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That God has made me more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That greater is he that lives in me than he that is in this world. That if I walk in the law of faith, then the laws of sin and death have to give way to the higher power called faith. And like, like Jesus told those two blind men, when they cried out, son of David, notice how they didn't stay passive on the sideline and say, well, if Jesus comes my way, you know, praise God, I'll come out of this blindness. But if not, you know, obviously he has, perhaps he has a different plan for me. 
They didn't do that. Those two blind men cried out all the more. Jesus, thou son of David. Jesus, thou son of David. Have mercy on me. And what happened? Jesus stood in their cracks. It's like that guy commenting right now. Dude, get a pill and relax. It's exactly, (laughs) thank you for coming in on this broadcast at the right time. Because the Bible says that's exactly what they told those two blind men. They said, dude, get a pill and relax. They told them, stop crying out for the master. They they rebuked them and told them to keep quiet. But they cried out all the more. That's what I'm about to do right now. Cry out all the more. Because when the devil tells you to keep quiet, you shout out twice as much. Because God has respect. There's something about the cry of faith that God will pass over a million people just to get to you. You know who says quiet? You know who's the one that says get a pill and relax? It's the one who doesn't have problems in life. It's the one who's satisfied in his area. It's the one who doesn't have any, you know, not believing God for any breakthrough, not believing God for any advancement, just has enough money coming in to supply for him and his house, doesn't have any sickness in their body, doesn't have any problems, but you know who wants to cry out? It's the one that's blind and who's been relegated as a beggar in his society, who's been given begging clothes, who has no chance to move forward, who's been suppressed and oppressed. That's the one who cries out because, and and you know what? The Bible says the Lord's eyes are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. I'm here to tell you today, the fight of faith is not about taking a pill and relaxing. That's what the devil wants to get you to believe. And you can just sit by and expect things to keep on moving. No, you got to start getting a desperation like that woman with the issue of blood. I'm not going to stay on the side. I'm not going to wait for him to come my way. I'm going to press through the crowd. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. Oh, he that began a good work in me. I ain't quitting because God ain't quitting. And he that began a good work in me, he shall complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. And the devil doesn't get to say anything about it. Because if God is on my side, who can be against me? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? There's some of you right now, you're in an area of desperation like those two blind men. You're crying out, Lord, son of David. Let me tell you, if you won't stop crying, God will pull through for you. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. My God does not ignore the Bible says of that widow. Luke chapter 18, she went and cried out to her judge day after day and that judge was an unjust judge and the Bible says he neither feared God nor did he regard the person of man but as she continued day after day night after night crying out to God the Bible, that's what the fight of faith is you ain't giving up if you don't give up the, the devil will let up if you don't give up the devil will let up if you don't give up the devil will let up if you don't give up the devil will let up she cried out day after day and the unjust judge said this this woman, I don't fear God. I don't care about people. But this woman, if she continues coming to me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna weary. She's gonna weary me out. And she said, I'll give. He said, I'll give her justice from her adversary. Jesus looked to the crowd and said, Hear what the unjust judge just said. And shall not the God of all the earth? That was an unjust judge. That was a wicked judge. That was a corrupt judge. That was one who had only his own interest in mind. But we don't have a judge like that. We have the great judge of all the earth. 
earth, the King of kings, the one who so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. In this, the love of God was made manifest that he came and sent Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins, to, to, to break us free, the Son of God made manifest. He took a crown of thorns on his head. He took nails in his hands. He took nails in his feet. He took stripes on his back so as to what? So as to alleviate you from the burden and curse of sin. That's what my God, and if God did not, if God delivered his son up for us all, will he not freely give us everything else richly to enjoy? If God didn't spare Jesus, then he will not, he will not see it. That that sacrifice went in vain. If God did not spare Jesus, will he not also with him freely give us everything else to richly enjoy? There's some of you watching, you have, there's something wrong in your life. And you've been believing God. But you feel like you're at a roadblock right now. And, and you feel like nothing's been working. Let me tell you, Mark chapter 5. Let me read this for you. Mark chapter 5. I can't stand religious devils. I can't. I usually ignore them, but when you're preaching the fight of faith and someone comes on and says, step back and relax, take a pill, I mean, you go to battle. Could you imagine the Navy SEALs charged with the task of taking out Osama bin Laden? They got into his compound and then one of the Navy SEALs, hey, let's just take a chill and relax. Put your gun down. Put your gun down. We won't need those today. You'll get shot. You'll get wiped out off the face of this earth. And that's what you have in North America. Pansy Christians. Weak, neutered, effeminate Christians. That it's like, it has to fit their box. We don't want shouting here. Well, you're going to hate heaven. Because heaven is all about shouting. Heaven, the Bible says, day and night, night and day. That the, the, peop, the angels are shouting now, holy, holy, holy. The Lord God is full of his glory. If you can't stand shouting, you would have hated Jesus on the earth. Because on that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out with a loud voice. Hallelujah. He didn't come up and say, brethren, we're here gathered together. No, he cried out, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit whom God would give to those that believe on him. For the Spirit was not yet given for Jesus, had not been glorified. Religion wants to keep you tamed. But I'm here to let out the, the wild beast. The Bible doesn't say that we're little tamed cats. doesn't say we're little tamed dogs. The Bible doesn't say we're little tamed parrots in a cage. The Bible says that the wicked flee when no man is pursuing. They're tame. But the righteous are as bold as lions. It's about time the lion in the church of God, the hearts of the Christians belonging to the church of God, gets rid release from the cage. It's about time we let out the lions. Someone's got to write in the comment section, I'm letting out the lion. I'm letting out the lion. I'm not going to stay tame by religion. I'm not going to sit idle while my generation goes to hell. I mean, you look at Paul. Paul was yelling in the Arepagus. And the Bible says that King Agrippa said, Paul, much learning has driven you mad. Much learning has made you crazy. You're, look at what you've come to believe. Look at how intensively passionate you are about what you believe. And Paul said, hey, 
I think myself happy, King Agrippa, and I would that not only uh, not only would I, I would that not only you be a believer, but that everyone in this presence be a believer and be just as I am, except for these chains. Paul did not. He said, "I didn't shrink back from holding back anything from you that was helpful. I didn't stay on the side. I declared it to you openly from house to house." The Bible says, "Hallelujah!" When the early church, the, the when the early church, Peter and John were on the eye where we're going towards the hour of prayer and that lame guy at the gate called beautiful was sitting and he grabbed him by the hand and said silver and gold have not I but such as I give give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ get up and walk what happened they arrested Peter and John because religion is always trying to bring the wild fire of God back in to some little candle holding device where it's tame where it doesn't get out and what did they do those two boys, he, Peter and John, unanimous, unanimously decided to look to the Sanhedrin and say, hey, they told them, you can't teach or preach in that name anymore because you're causing these men who have turned the whole Jerusalem upside down. They've come here too. These men have filled the whole of Jerusalem with their doctrine. They said, we can't but stop speaking those things which we have heard and which we have seen. And whether it be right in your sight, or in the sight of God, that we obey you rather than God, you be the judge. But as for us, as for us, we're not going to keep quiet. When the devil tells you to keep quiet, scream out twice as loud. Because Jesus said, what I tell you in the secret place, you are to declare it on the rooftops. It's about time we stop having this little cowarding Christianity in America, where we stop you know, other people are coming out of the closet and we're going and resulting, we're, we're regressing back into the, into the closet. We need a generation of people who will rise up and like David said, my Lord is my light. My God is my salvation. And if man comes against me, they will fail my adversaries and my foes. They'll stumble and fall. And in this will I be confident that I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm tired of, uh, of man, that, uh, I'm glad that person commented that because it, it really hit the nail on the head as to what the fight of faith is and what the fight of faith is not. That's what that John, John 5, that guy that was laid at the pool of Bethesda, who was there for 40 years. And the Bible says, Jesus came to him and said, do you want to be made well? He had no fight in him. Well, sir, I do. But you see, every time, every time uh, the angel comes down and steers the waters, it seems like someone gets in and, and, and gets in before me and I end up, you know, having to stay sick and stuff. So I've accepted life as what it is. <laughs> life is not to be accepted. Life is to be challenged and formed the way you want it from the word of God. Don't accept life the way it comes to you. If that was the case, what would look at? I mean, the whole Bible is a catalog of people not accepting life the way the way things happen. People not accepting the devil's report into life. People rebuking through faith subdued kingdoms. Not were subdued by kingdoms. Faith is a subduing force. When you fight the good fight of faith, the Bible says, out of weakness we're made strong. By faith, the Bible says, Abraham obeyed. And because of which, his descendants are more, 
Abraham would have died if he, had, if he didn't fight the good fight of faith. He would have died without any descendants. And we would not be talking about Father Abraham who had many sons. He would have had one son by Ishmael. And, and that was not the original promise of God. That, that actually got him in a lot of problems. In a lot of, a lot of trouble. But if he... <laughs> thank God Abraham wasn't a North American Christian. Well, Sarah, you have to understand... You know, we all have to bear our cross, and our cross was that you you were born this way, you're barren, and it seems like you know we can we can help we can we can help in our generation in a different way. You know, we don't necessarily have to. Romans four, in hope against hope. What does that mean? In godly hope, which godly hope is expectation lined up from the Word of God against human hope. What's human hope? Well, if it happens, it happens, you know. Well, I sure do hope so. There was a lady, came out of a revival meeting with an evangelist I know. She had had her ear come open, deaf ear come open, totally deaf. And then it came open. She was able to hear a whisper from the other side of the room, from that same ear. She left the sanctuary that night. And uh, the, the, the evangelist walks in through, he's going to his car to leave the church. And he sees her locked up in her car and her husband's like banging on the door saying come out come out and he says what's wrong can i help you why is she in the car why are you he said uh, well she locked herself in and he said how can you lock yourself in i understand you can lock yourself out of a car but how do you lock yourself in a car well she doesn't want to come out she's very she's very angry well what happened didn't her ear just come open she has, a, she has no reason to be angry he said yeah it did but as we were walking out of the sanctuary, she said, well, I sure do hope it lasts. The moment she said that, she heard a pop back in her ear and her ear closed up and she got angry. And so she locked herself in the car and she refuses to come out. You see, in hope against hope, Abraham believed according to that which was written that I will make you a father of many nations. And he did not consider his own body. But he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. He didn't consider faith looks in a different direction. Let me tell you a couple of things about where faith looks. Number one, faith looks away from man. The Bible says, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes man his flesh, uh, his strength. Cursed is the man. If you look to man, don't expect God's help. Psalm 34, 5, they looked unto him and their eyes were lightened and they became radiant and they did not suffer any shame. Can you take one eye to look up and another eye to look down? You can try it. You can't. Very hard. It's impossible. You can't look up with one eye and look down with the other eye. And so don't claim to be looking unto God when really you have one eye looking, at the man, looking to man. The Bible says the help of man is useless. Man can help you the way <laughs> Jesus told the people. With man, this is impossible. So if things are impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. Why even waste 10 minutes trying to secure man's intervention and man's help? Trying to network properly. So, you know, well, you know, if I can just get that guy in my contact book and get that guy, you know, his name on, on, on our business, you know, I, I know our business. 
Why would you want to get a man's name on your business when you can get God's name on your business and the God who owns all the silver and the gold, who's unlimited in resources, who's El Shaddai, come alongside you to prosper you in everything you do? Why would you waste any time looking to men? <laughs> that guy at the pool Bethesda. Sir, I have no man. He looked to men and, it's, and he suffered frustration and stagnation for year after year. But Jesus came and said, I'm here. Pick up your pallet and walk. You don't need no angel. It's another thing. Don't get into the worship of angels. There's a lot of Christian churches in the charismatic movement where they're like looking for angels. Angels are great. They do our work. The Bible says they're ministering spirits sent forth to minister on behalf of us who inherit salvation. They're helping spirits. They, they aid us. They assist us. They, they, uh, they're, you know, people got, they're, they're beings God has used to organize meetings and organize crusades. Like in the case of Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, that was a crusade at his house that an angel organized. And uh, they're, they're intricately involved in bringing in the harvest. However, you don't wait for an angel. To, like, people use that scripture. And we're, I, I see the angels of God coming and stirring the waters tonight. First one to jump. You're going back into Old Testament times. We don't have an angel that came down to steer the waters. We have Jesus Christ himself who came down and didn't steer waters. He shed his blood and in doing so, he has disarmed principalities, powers, every sickness and disease. He has disarmed and triumphed over those things. Number two, faith looks away from circumstances. Abraham did not look to his own body, neither the, yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't look at the uh, unfavorable circumstances around him. He didn't say, well, I, you know, I'm 99 years old, so let me just... He didn't look at that. Number three, faith, looked away, he look, faith looks away from self. You know, in modern days, the big thing people say is what? Just believe in yourself. Just believe you can do it and you'll get it done. You need to trust yourself before you trust. When the Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful, who can trust it? You don't believe in yourself. That's humanism. But God's word says you believe not in yourself, but that I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but now Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. So faith looks away from self. And what does faith look towards? Faith looks towards God. Faith looks towards God. And not God in the heavens, but God in you. You have to be God inside you conscious. You have to be conscious of the reality of the presence of God in you. And that stimulates faith. And that stimulates confidence in dealing against uh, things that come against you. The Bible uh, the Bible's very clear that wherever God leads you, whatever promise He has for you, there will always be a giant that will stand in your way. Wherever God wants to take you, there will always be a giant that stands in your way trying to keep you out of the promised land. There'll always be a devil that'll try and rob you of your destiny. There, there'll always be 
you know, uh, forces that are working against your life. Life is not funfair. Life is warfare. And faith is the arresting force that arrests the powers of darkness so that, yea, just like Paul said, there are many great doors and effectual that are open unto me. However, there are many adversaries. Nevertheless, what did God tell Joshua? No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Why? Because as I was with Moses, I'll be in you. So God, faith looks to the God in you. Not to, not to they God, to God in you. Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost and that God himself dwells in you? Examine yourself, test yourself, see if you're in the faith. Or do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? That's why Caleb and Joshua, when they saw the giants in the land, they fought the fight of faith. You know, most of the time, this is a good point, most of the time, the fight of faith is not even against, you know, the enemy or doubts that come from the kingdom of darkness. It's not, most of the time, the fight of faith is not, you know, people in the world discouraging you. Most of the time, the fight of faith has to, be, has to do with you fighting Christians, other Christians. Them trying to sow a seed of improper doctrine in your heart to get you to not believe in what you're believing for. And you having to fight the fight of faith from the Word of God, challenging that with, uh, with the authentic, unperverted, unwavering Word of God. Most of the time, the fight of faith, like Joshua and Caleb, they, they weren't fighting the Canaanites they even said, if God is with us, there'll be bread for us to eat. The giants were not, were not their problem. Canaan was not their problem. The fortified cities of Jericho were not their problem. Who was the problem? It was other people in the camp of Israel. They picked up stones to stone Joshua and Caleb. And the Bible says they gave an evil report of unbelief. But Joshua got up and they didn't let that just ride. They said, no. Our God who is for us, if He is for us, we can by all means go in to possess the land. Faith looks away from self and looks to the God in you. To God in you. Number two, faith looks towards His Word. Job, the Bible says, lay up His Word in your heart. Store up his words in your heart. Receive the instructions from his mouth. The Bible says, I have longed for thy word more than my necessary food. Job said that. I have longed for thy word. I'm more hungry for your word than, my, my, than physical nourishment. Uh, David said in Psalm 56, In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I'll praise his word. Psalm 27, David said, had his law not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. You look to God's word. People always say, well, just, you know, just look to God. What does that mean? It's looking to his word. Look at when Peter was on that boat and Jesus starts to walk by the boat and they panic and said, is it a, is it a ghost? And Jesus said, no, it is I, don't be afraid. And Jesus was the word made flesh. And Peter said, 
Jesus, if it is you, command me to come to you. Jesus said, it's me, come. Peter, as he had his eyes on the word, made flesh, walked on the water. So the things that were sent to, I mean, in the natural, you try and walk on water, it'll swallow you up. The laws of gravity take place and you, you sink. You can't walk on water. But when he looked to the word of God, to the law of faith, then the natural laws gave way to the supernatural law, which suspends natural law. And what should have naturally happened, what should have happened, him sinking, the waters that normally any other man would have swallowed them up was turned into a concrete floor. And he walked on water. And as long as he kept his eyes on the word, he continued to walk above the circumstances of life. He continued to walk above sickness and disease. He continued to walk above poverty and lack. He continued to walk above marital stress. He continued to walk above feelings of loneliness. He continued to walk above depression and anxiety. He continued to walk above the Adamic rooted troubles and tribulation that comes upon the rest of mankind. He operated as he operated in the class of God. Because the only other person to walk on water was Jesus. But do you remember? When there was a boisterous wind. And the waves started to rise. And he took his eyes away. He took his eyes off the word. And his eyes went to the environment. Well, I know what the word says. But you keep quoting that pain in your body. Keep confessing the problems. Keep confessing how difficult things will be. Keep confessing, you know, how hard things have been for your family all throughout the years. Keep confessing, you know, we're always poor here. We, we've never really enjoyed much luck in our family. Keep confessing that. Looking to your environment, looking to the... You are not a product of your environment. You are a product of the Word of God. You believe and speak. You can change your atmosphere. You might have been dealt a bad set of cards growing up in life. But you don't have to stay. Life doesn't have to finish the same way it started. You can inject faith words. By faith, the worlds were framed by the word of God. If God created all of this that we see and know today by the words he spoke, don't you think those words carry power even to this day? To frame your world, your personal world, your individual world? That's why, hallelujah, that's why David penned that psalm, Psalm 91. He that dwells in the shelter of the Almighty God. He that looks to God and to His Word. He will dwell under the protection of God Almighty. I will not be afraid of terror when it comes. I will not be afraid of the arrow that stalks in day. The environment in this world, the climate in this world, the, 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 uh, History we're living right now is one of the hardest times man has faced on earth. And you can choose today. Like I said, faith is a choice. You can choose either to line up your confession the way the world is. Nothing certain in life. I sure do hope I keep up. I, 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 you know, things go back to normal after this. I'm not hoping things go back to normal. I know that even in times like this, I'm anointed to grow and to increase because I dwell in the shelter of the Almighty God. 
As such, I don't fear the arrow by day. What does that mean? Things going on around you. I don't fear the, the darkness, the, the pestilence that stalks in darkness, the sicknesses that spring out of nowhere, the flus and the viruses that come out of nowhere. I don't fear those things. A thousand can die to my side. Ten thousand can die on my right hand. But these evils will not come near me. No evil shall befall me, nor plague come near my tent or my dwelling place. For, for, for the word of God says he gives his angels charge concerning me to bear me up in my, in my ways lest I even dash my foot against a stone. God said because he's loved me, I'll set him securely on high. With long life I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. Some of you have to get a dose of Psalm 91 in your spirit every single day. Because a gun, if you fire out a gun, after its clip is run out, your ammunition's gone, that gun's not very useful to you. In the same vein, same vein, you gotta fill up the ammunition of your faith with the word of God on a daily basis. So every day you enjoy daily triumph. That you're never a victim of satanic harassment or, or abuse. But on the flip side, now unto him who always leads us to triumph in all things and through us diffuses the knowledge of him in every place. As the word of God gets in your heart and you begin to speak it out of your mouth, you're diffusing the aroma of Christ everywhere you go. And the Bible says that aroma, it does one of two things. Either one, it brings death or two, it brings life. The aroma of Christ will bring death to things you want dead in your life. And the aroma of Christ, the word of God diffused from your life, will bring life to things you want to grow and mature in your life. The fight of faith. I have four more points, but I'm not going to go through them today. I want to take time to pray for you today. And stand in the gap with you. Because it's easy, it's easy in this day and age to give up and quit. But faith people never quit. Quitting is not an option for the child of God. Because God doesn't quit and you have his nature in you. So I want, I want to take time to stand in the gap with you. Because the Bible says, where two of you agree on anything on, concerning anything they might ask on earth, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. On Tuesday, uh, last Thursday, I preached on the wonders of His Word. And it's excellent to know about what God's Word carries. We talked about it. God's Word carries His power. God's Word is a is literally the vehicle of God's power. That when you speak His Word into the situation you're facing, His power gets transmitted, and that which dead, that which was dead comes back to life because of the transmission of the resurrection power of God by His Word. However, you can't, it's not just about admiring. That's the thing. There's, there's mental ascent, there's a lot of people in the, in, the, in the Christian world that they admire God's word. 
But just admiring the Word of God is not going to produce for you. Hebrews 4.2 And they received the Word even as we did, but it did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. What is faith? Faith is very simple. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Faith is obeying God. And two, by faith, Noah prepared. Faith is obeying God. Faith is preparing to receive from God. And then we understand in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So faith is proving that you believe God. There's an evidence to faith. And the fight of faith is, apply, is, is literally, the fight of faith is not challenging the devil. The fight of faith is not fighting the devil. The fight of faith is not fighting spiritual forces in heavenly places. The fight of faith is being hard-headed. Refusing to give up. Not wavering from the promise that He's given you. Holding fast the confession of our faith. For He that promised is faithful. I'm going to read one story and then we'll pray. Mark chapter 5. I was going to read it before but I didn't get to it. Mark chapter 5. Listen to this. So Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side. And... A great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death, but come and lay your hands on her, and she will be healed and will live. So Jesus went with him. Now skip down to verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, who said, Your daughter is dead. So his daughter was lying at the point of death, when he came to Jesus, and then as Jesus was on his way to the synagogues, uh, the ruler of the synagogue's house, the, the little girl went from dying to dead. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard this, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't be afraid. The fight of faith is a daily resistance to fear. That even if you things go from bad to worse. I will not be shaken. I will not be troubled. I will not be shaken in mind. Do not be afraid. And he permitted no one to follow him in except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue's house. And he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him entered where he was, uh, the child was lying and he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kumai, and said, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked and she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement and he commanded that nothing, uh, strictly that nobody tells anything. So you see, I'll give you two practical things you can do fighting the, the fight of faith. Number one, Resist and reject fear on a daily basis. Do not fear is written 365 times in the Word of God. That's one for every single day of the year. Isaiah 54, 14. In righteousness you shall be established. Therefore, do not fear. Neither be dismayed. For it shall not come near thee, nor shall any terror 
come near thy house. In righteousness you shall be established. Therefore do not fear, it shall not come near thee. Neither be ye dismayed, dismayed, for it, it shall not approach thee. Job said, the thing which I feared has come upon me. So fear naturally gravitates the thing which you don't want to come to come. So fear is counterproductive. Do not fear, Jesus told them. So the moment bad news comes, and there will be a day where you get, you know, someone, <laughs> there'll be a day where you're challenged. Challenges in life are inevitable. But defeat is an option for the child of God. It's an option. You can either succumb to the challenges of life. You can either fall victim and pray to the, to the, to, to, to the, the challenges of life. Get swallowed up. Or you could choose to be victorious by following faith, faith law. Number one, reject fear. And then number two, we saw it. He put everyone outside. He put everyone outside. They came in and they, he came in and they mocked him. They hold him in derision, the Bible says. And what did he do? The first thing Jesus did was change his environment. He knocked everyone out. All the naysayers, the doubters, the unbelievers, the people that mock you for, for you know, making you seem like you believe in fairy tales or whatever. Put them all outside. People that, you know, there's people that you should strive to be around and there's people that you should strive to keep away from you. Because, first of all, if you think everybody has your good intentions in life or their intentions are good for you, they all have good intentions for you, everybody has, you know, that's coming your way is really going to help you. No, you'll find out very early that there are people literally anointed by hell to derail you. And you, you, you get to decide the environment you keep. And Jesus did that by taking deliberate steps. So there's people you should strive to be around, people who by faith and patience obtain the promises, and then people you should strive to keep away from. And those are people, anyone that seeks to contain you at their level, draw away, uh, pull away from them. That's like David's brothers. He wants to go out and kill Goliath. And what do they do? Go back to your father's few sheep. Go back to your father's few sheep. Go, you're so high-minded. You think you're just like every one of us. You think your life will be any different? Oh, absolutely not. What about when it's family? I mean, I'm not talking about never seeing them again. I'm talking about like the uh, who you keep around you on the regular. So there's people that are unavoidable. You know, you go to work, you, you work with someone. That doesn't mean you have to chill by them and hang out with them at the, at the water cooler every day and, and have conversation with them. There's family members that are like that. That doesn't mean you have to, uh, you know, have them over to your house every single day of the week. You know, you go to your family reunions, you go to birthday parties or whatever, and uh, steer clear. You know, and the worst thing you can do is debate. Don't engage in debate. Never engage in debate. The Bible says that you're to avoid profane and idle babblings, which is like cancer. It just spreads and it's like gangrene. It spreads to further, ungo further ungodliness. 
The Bible says that note those who cause division among you and just avoid it. Avoid it. So if it's family, just, you know how, I have family members that don't believe in anything I believe in. And at first mocked me, thought I drank the Kool-Aid. When I get around them, I don't, they know where I stand. I've preached the gospel to them. But you know, Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus said, if they don't receive your message in the town you go into, shake off the dust from your feet and go to the next town. So if someone doesn't receive your word, Jesus, when he called that rich young ruler and said, you have one thing that you lack, sell everything you have and go and follow me. And he went away at that word, being very sorrowful because he had many possessions. Jesus didn't chase him down and say, hey, hey, you got, you got to understand. You know, this is better for you. You know, this, if you'll just follow me, you'll see how things will turn around. Please, he wasn't begging people to follow him. He gave your job as a minister, as a minister of reconciliation. The Bible says we're ambassadors for God. Christ working through us on, and, and God literally working through us, pleading through us on behalf of God, be reconciled to Christ. So we're ministers and ambassadors for Christ. However, we deliver the goods. We're messengers. We deliver the goods. It's the Holy Spirit's job to go to work and, uh, and cause that the seed that you sowed, the seed of the Word of God, the gospel, gets, it germinates and grows and increases to the point where they believe. You know, so you pray for people. And the prayer that I pray for, for family members that, that don't know the Lord, and uh, that might even be mockers and whatever, is Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. Father, I pray that the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be given unto them so that the eyes of their understanding would be flooded with light so that they would see what is the hope of your calling, the riches of your glory, and the inheritance of the saints, and the surpassing greatness of your power that, that belongs to them, that's available to them. So I pray, literally, what Jesus told Peter, flesh and blood cannot reveal this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. So you have to understand that salvation is a very spiritual transaction. You can't work an argument or a debate up to the point where they like they believe. Because Paul, actually if you read it in Acts chapter 19, he spent two whole years reasoning and persuading and nothing happened. But then God worked extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick. And then he didn't have to persuade. He didn't have to reason. The people he had spent debating, spent time debating, the people he had spent and, and frustrated himself trying to get to believe his message, all of a sudden, because of the great works and the miracles and, and, and the, the, the testimony of Paul's life and the power of God working through him, the same people that wouldn't be reasoned into believing. They came and brought their magic books, burnt it in the sight of them all, and there was a great revival in Ephesus. So I don't believe in the whole thing, you know, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. That is stupid. That's, I mean, you got to be brain dead to believe that. That's, scripture is totally against that, that statement. You preach the gospel. You preach it not just once, twice, or three times. Preach it. Every time you have occasion, preach it. But don't engage in debate. The gospel is, in itself is more powerful than any argument or reason you can bring up. It doesn't need any help. The gospel does not need any assistance or help to bring people to Christ. Jesus said, if I, the Son of Man, am lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. So if God's drying power, you know, Jesus, uh, the Spirit of God could be drying on many of your family members, but they're just resisting. 
They're resisting. It's like Balaam. He resisted in resistance until God finally sent a donkey to speak to him. And then he came to his senses. That prodigal son, when he left his father's house and went into the land, which I like to call the land called sin. And after a while, there was a greater famine that arose in the land. And then he came to his senses. That was the Holy Spirit working on him. I'm sure the moment he left his father's house, the Spirit was always already drawing him in. But he resisted and resisted and resisted. And finally, when he saw the depravity of his life, you know, that's another thing is Isaiah 6. When God called Isaiah, he said, go and uh, who will go for me? Isaiah said, I'll go, send me. And then the Lord said, this people will, uh, will, will not... Isaiah was given a message, having eyes they'll never see, having ears they'll never understand until, until their land is laid waste like a wilderness. Isaiah was like, how long are they not going to believe? Because it says, having, you'll, you'll preach to them, but they're not going to get it. And he said, how long will this happen? He said, until their land is laid flat, until their land is like a, a, a desolate wilderness, until there's nobody that dwells in the home, unless, until every man is is pretty much ripped out of the home, pretty much until disaster strikes. So a lot of the time, unfortunately, man's pride resists until the point where they're broken without any natural and human remedy. And the only remedy is the blood of Jesus Christ. And you'll see the people that, the people that like mocked you the most will be the first one at your doorstep saying, tell me again what you, what you believe in. Show me what church you go to again. I'd like to come with you. And I've had, I had people that mocked me when I got to Christ. And then several months later, later they, called, they thought I was an alien. They thought I had lost my, my, my mind. And several months later, people who were like the worst of the worst, people had gone to prison, people that were like, had been in prison, started to contact me as they got out of prison and said, hey, I need to get my life straightened. And I know what God's done through you. Could you, could you help me? And I led them in the sinner's prayer. And uh, a lot of them did well for a while. And then obviously, you know, you have some people, they, they don't stick in the environment and they drop back. But I want to pray for you right now that um, God will put a grace on you. That having done all, you'll still be standing. A grace on you to never, like the Bible says, to not grow weary in well-doing. To fight the good fight of faith so that you could lay hold on the eternal life which and the life and the promises and the blessings God has for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone watching right now. I thank you first and foremost that you're, you're the God who does valiantly. That you're the God who treads down our enemies. That you're the God who, the Bible says, by the right hand of the Most High, our enemy is scattered to pieces. That you're the God who, the Bible says, is the God of all flesh and nothing is impossible for you. I pray, no matter what they're going through, whether it be physical, whether it be financial, whether it be uh, relational, whether it be solical, emotional, whether it be mental, I pray in the name that is above every name. Lord, I pray first and foremost that whatever heavy laden yoke, whatever yoke the enemy has laid on them to keep them from walking in the glorious freedom of God, right now, by the power of God, I release you from that. Just like Lazarus, you have been born again, but you're still in grave clothes. From today onward, the grave clothes, the things that represent your past, the things that held you down in Adam, get set free. You get set free from those things right now in Christ Jesus. 
In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray, as they receive that now, by faith, that even if they don't see the physical manifestation of that right now, today, Father, give them grace to fight this fight of faith. To stay in the arena of faith. To hold fast their confession of faith without wavering from this day onward. Father, that their eyes would be magnetized towards you. Towards your word. That they would not consider their own body. That they not consider their own problem. That they not consider anything in the natural. But that their eyes would be open to see. Your hand at work even now. For you said to Jeremiah, What seest thou, Jeremiah? I see the, the branch of an almond tree. Well, you see well, Jeremiah, and I will now hasten my word to perform it. Father, I pray from the time that is now to the time where they see the reality of what they're believing for, strengthen their spiritual backbone. Let the spirit of faith, just like Joshua and Caleb, that spirit of faith work in and through them. That in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, telling them to back down, just like your word says in the Psalms, they have bowed and have fallen, but we shall rise and shall stand. That like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'd have the confession, our God whom we serve is able and our God is willing And if and if he did, if he didn't, which was not a confession of doubt, that was a confession of of love. Our God is able. Our God will deliver us. But I want you to know, Nebuchadnezzar, I love God so much, even if he wasn't good, even if he wasn't good to the point of him delivering us from the fiery furnace, I still wouldn't bow. And what happened to them? What happened when they held to that confession? When they walked through the fire? Another man, hallelujah, the fourth man came in to that fiery furnace. When you hold fast to the confession of faith, the Bible says very clearly, faith enables you to walk in active partnership with God. And God came alongside. Faith connects you to God's presence. And when God's presence came into that fiery furnace the fire had no more effect on their bodies the only thing that burnt off was the ropes that kept them i tell you today in the name of jesus christ as you fight this good fight of faith not only will you lay hold on to that which god has promised for you but even even now in the fight in the time in this this seed time and harvest even now in the time of fight you won't even feel the effect In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus Christ. And I believe that. If you do, put amen in the comment section. If you're here today, you've never given your life to Christ. I'd encourage you to do so today. The Bible says you cannot see the kingdom of God until you're born again. So pray this with me and get born again. You can know that you're born again. These things I have written so that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. How do you know? Believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead and confess with your mouth and ye shall be saved. Father, pray this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess this day that Christ is Lord of my life.
Forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin and I turn to you. Let everything become new from this day onward. I pray where I was weak, make me strong. Let all things, old things pass away. No longer remembering the former things, but a new day begins. A day in which I'm no longer alone, but the creator of all things. Walking by me, dwelling in me, and working for me. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd encourage you to go on our website, salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Fill it up. Um, I want to get something to you free of charge. We pay shipping, handling, and everything. I just want to bless you. I want to help you out. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.